Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, Katie Voigt, U.S. Enterprise Sales Manager. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to this episode of Redefining Outbound. Today, I have Emily Baer, Head of Sales Enablement at Cognizum. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, so to kick things off, could you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, so as Katie mentioned, hi, my name is Emily. Uh, I run our sales enablement department here at Cognizum, Um, really working with uh, the revenue team and making sure that there's learning and development available for all of our reps. Yes, we're very glad to have you both on the show and at Cognizum in general, so thank you. Um, I'm super curious, what does redefining outbound mean to you? Yeah, it's something that in enablement we talk about a lot. And for me in particular, and what I try to train with the prospecting trainings that we do is how do you break through the noise? So if you do a quick Google search, um, there are about 5.7 million sales reps worldwide. And if you think about what we do from an activity level, just from one rep, um, from emails being sent, LinkedIn messages, phone calls going out, that can triple or quadruple activity quite a lot. So if you're thinking about all of the people that you're reaching out to as a sales rep um, and all of the inbound messages that they're receiving, how do you break through the noise with that? Um, And the core to that is really about intentionality, both within your messaging as well as your channel distribution. Um, Some Myself, I like to be reached out via LinkedIn. There's some people that will answer any phone call that that is uh, sent to them. Some people prefer email. And you're really not going to know like on an individual level what that is. So it's really important to have a good channel mix going on, as well as making sure that when you are reaching out to, to someone, are you intentional about why and how that that's going out? Or are you just enrolling someone in the sequence and setting and forgetting it? Because nine times out of 10, that's not going to work in this day and age with all of the the flooding that's happening with with those channels. Um, Obviously, the human element is really important to that too. They want to know that they're talking to a human um, and that human cares about their process and how their solution is going to help, which I think from an outbound perspective means that phone calls are never going to die within a channel distribution mix there, right? That's the most human element that you can have within interaction. Um, and being able to talk to someone one-on-one and really understand and active listen is is really critical. Yeah, I completely agree with you, right? The human element is so important. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that given our recent influx of empathy and persona training that we've all been going through. So thank you to that. Um, Because I know it definitely helps us in all of our outbound. So I have to say, I don't think that um, running sales enablement is like top five on the children's list of things I want to be when I grow up. Um, So (laughs) what is it that motivated you to be in sales enablement? Like, what is it that's important to you here? Yeah, absolutely. So I have sat in a multitude of seats from individual contributor of SDR all the way to enterprise AE management, uh, director level, I've sat in operations, um, as well as executive leadership. And what I have found if I'm leaning into my passions is within my career, when I've had to develop onboarding and training programs, that's really been the sweet spot of where I personally feel uh, the most success. I love taking someone and them having no knowledge at all about how to sell 
um, or actually even having some intuitive understanding of, hey, I tried this and it worked, but giving them the why behind why it worked as well as some standardization and process so that that way they can scale um, and really seeing them be able to, you know, not only hit their metrics, but grow within their career. I've had a couple of individual contributors that I've seen now sit in director roles or have moved from sales to enablement in other departments. So it's really about that growth and development um, that, that I love and I have a passion for. I think from the importance uh, of it to me in particular, Katie, you are a sales leader. You guys are so busy. You have so many initiatives under your belt. Not only do you need to make sure that you're hitting your revenue targets, but you know, making sure like from where where's the pipeline sit for each one of your individuals? Um, you know, how are you tracking against those benchmarks on a quarterly and monthly basis? There's a lot that you have on your plate as a leader. So having a department that's dedicated to the learning and development and growth of the reps is really critical. And not only just from a revenue generation standpoint, but making sure that there's job satisfaction as well, right? Um, enablement's core is to set the standard around what does growth and development look like and what are those training programs that we can develop for there from there so that the reps can understand, hey, this is exactly where I fit in with this, but here's my path forward and how I can grow within the organization and make an impact. So I think the merriment of the individual component to it, as well as like building a scalable model that can grow with the individual is so, so crucial. Yeah, and I definitely think about like the way that your team is implemented, like our learner packs, right? And I think getting all of the reps on board with, hey, this is how this is going to impact your day to day right now. And here's what your growth plan looks like. And I think that just speaks to like our like core values here at Cognizant too, right? There's like we're celebrating individual contributors, but we're also promoting from within. So it's super important that these individuals that are being promoted are ready and can grow into those positions. I think your team's done a really good job of just kind of positioning, hey, this is what it looks like now. And this is what that plan looks like long term. So I would imagine, right, your role comes with a lot of challenges. But I'm really curious, like, for, from your opinion, what's the biggest challenge like facing the sales enablement teams and like you as a leader right now? Yeah, I think that based on the market that we are in right now, there's been a lot of ups and downs within the last couple of years. Um, and with that, we've seen you know, a lot of reduction, layoffs, you know, thank God for our company. Um, we've been fortunate enough to not have to, to do much of that. Um, but because of it, what tends to happen is even though a department like enablement is very crucial, sometimes if you're thinking about like bottom line, like that's the first uh, department that either gets cut or lets go entirely. So one thing that is being talked a lot right now within the enablement space is how do you measure the ROI of enablement? So for example, we talked about that Q4 learner packs. Um, and while you know it's it's known that it's making an impact, we're seeing a lot of people that are engaging within the Slack channel saying like how valuable it's been and we have the anecdotal feedback. How do we actually tie in ROI to the program? Um, and so it's really important and something that I'm trying to do with both yourself, other sales leadership, even the executive team is really understanding what's the company objective, how does enablement fit into that, and let's align on what those leading and lagging indicators and KPIs are so that we can really understand, first of all, what's the benchmark before we implemented this program, and then what are we going to measure as success around it? So for an example of a leading indicator that we're focusing on right now is within those learner packs, uh, what's the engagement and what is the 
uh, certification scoring that's happening around there. We have a lot of great new features that we're rolling out um, and making sure that the team is ready to sell and understands how we fit in that marketplace and scoring against that is a good leading indicator right now of, of their participation and readiness to sell. Um, as these features get rolled out, we'll want to take a look at and use um, some tech like Gong as well as uh, you know Salesforce and things like that to really understand how are these people pitching it and then how is that affecting pipeline as well as sales, which will be the lagging indicators that, that we're going to be focusing on. So I would say that really making sure that quick and early within a project uh, that you have executive alignment of what the outcomes and goals are, and then making sure you can benchmark those along the way is going to be critical of showing the value and impact that enablement can make both emotionally, but from a logistical uh, standpoint as well. Yeah, I would imagine ROI is, I mean, it's top of mind, right, directly in everything that we're selling. Um, and I know it's top of mind for us internally as well. And I'm such a big believer, right, in sales enablement. And we're so supported here. To your point, we're really lucky, which is great. But what can sales leaders that believe in sales enablement at its core functionality, which I think most of us do, right, what can sales leaders do to help our sales enablement teams justify the ROI and like really put some proof in the pudding? I would say? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is having that championing within the manager group. An enablement program is only good as the reinforcement, right? So I like to build relationships, like not only with you, Katie, but the other managers as well of how can we co-create these training programs together based on where you are seeing the biggest gap for your team and being able to take some of that coaching and training off of your plate. That's phase one around that, right? Of we're, we're all in agreement of like, we actually think that if we're able to move the mark on this, that we are going to impact sales drastically um, and make a big impact, not only just for the company, but for that individual as well. Once we've come up with what that benchmark is, it's really just, the, it's multi-threading, right? We have multi-threading within our sales process. We have multi-threading also internally within our organization. How do we make sure that we're still talking about this within our deal reviews, within our one-on-ones, within our team meetings, uh, and making sure that there is a multi-thread of this information, as well as when we set those benchmarks, working together to see how these deals are progressing and what impact is that making on on the revenue stream that we're creating? Okay, so definitely just like opening clear lines of communication, working together, kind of going hand in hand. And I even think too, sometimes around sales enablement, sometimes sales leaders, I know I can definitely be a victim of this as well. I get a little bit nervous about the amount of time it's going to take for me to help support it, right? So I was just reflecting on all of the onboarding that's happened, right? I've hired, I have a team of seven now. It's been a whirlwind for sure. And we had a few meetings about onboarding, right? We met with the sales enablement team. We were chatting with with you and everybody else who's part of your team about onboarding. And I think we probably talked for in total an hour, maybe an hour and a half of time. And then all of a sudden there was this like six week onboarding plan with like all of this material and things that, that came back to us. And I just was truly in that moment, I was like, I am a believer. Like I am a stand for sales enablement. This is incredible. Because it's such a short, like it, it took an hour to an hour and a half of my time that saved me like six weeks of work on the back end. So I think too, like it's really important to understand that like a little bit of investment and planning and time up front um, will reap dividends on the back end for sure. So definitely appreciate you sharing that. I think sales leaders around the horn can just help support our sales enablement teams because we know we need you. Um, we can all work hand in hand together. Um, so 
that's kind of some of the challenges that you think are kind of impacting your team and impacting you directly right now. But what are your predictions? Like, what do you see coming down the pipe for sales enablement in 2024? I know AI is a hot topic. Like, how do you see AI impacting the sales enablement realm in 2024? Yeah, I think whether you like it or not, AI is here to stay. And so it's important to get around that. And it is such a huge topic within enablement right now. Um, and, and what can we use AI tools for to help us streamline processes, right? And eliminate time and resources that it takes uh, for things to get done. That could be internally from an enablement team. Um, I know right now we're testing out a uh, technology called HeyGen, where you can submit scripts uh, and equal parts creepy, equal parts uh, pretty cool and impressive of having an AI avatar that can uh, do the whole video presentation for you. You can have slides uh, showcasing in the background. Um, and it's really cut down the time for us to deliver some of these trainings by about 3x. In some of them, we can get all of this done within 45 minutes to an hour. Um, if you're thinking about it on the rep side, you know, where can we fit in AI uh, to better understand and coach on calls uh, to make sure that uh, we're, we're lowering their their speed to be able to uh, do their day to day activity and spend less time on administrative work. I think, though, as well, it's it's huge from an enablement standpoint around that to ensure that reps are using AI in a very intentional way. Right. Our reps, particularly from a prospecting standpoint, have access to ChatGPT, right? Um, they have access to all these other AI tools now that they can use. But where we really need to make sure that um, we are helping these reps is still making sure that, A, there's intentionality behind when and where they're using it. By no means should AI take over their role, but it should just be able to in enhance the way that they're able to prospect and save time. But for example, if a rep is relying on ChatGPT to create their emails, however, they don't know what uh, a good sales email looks like or what level of personalization needs to go in, they don't have the right tools then to go and evaluate that email that's been spit out by ChatGPT and know if it's good or not, right? So there, and if you think about it, there's only so much that ChatGPT can do as it relates to personalization. You know, we've been rolling out Medic, and one of the biggest components is that implicate pain. Um, if that's something that's still going to take some human element to, to form within your prospecting efforts and within sales in general. And it's the same thing. You know, you're not going to be able to use AI to talk human to human on the phone. You might be able to use it uh, to be create better call lists, to help organizationally on the end. but it's to make sure that there is a merriment of what's to come with AI and equipping the team to properly be able to utilize it and work in conjunction with the AI technology and not use it as a, or a crutch within their prospecting or sales efforts. Yeah, I mean, you kicked us off with talking about, you know, redefining outbound, like you have to have that human element. So it's about how can we leverage AI and work with it, um, but we're still people. We still need to have that empathy. We still need to know who it is that we're speaking with and realize there's a like human to human component there. So that makes perfect sense. We recently had uh, Matt Doyen on and he was arguing that sales enablement is the most important team and will be in 2024. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it already about how 
you know, enablement is a dedicated group that is able to take that learning and development functionality, take it off of sales leader and manager's plate, um, which again, helps with that scalability and growth and globalization of the process. Um, But also, if you think about it, enablement is the glue that holds the cross-functional department information like together, as well as streamline it in a way that is going to be productive for the sales team. So we talked about cutting through the noise for prospects. The same thing has to happen for our sellers as well. There are so many different announcements and releases and HR has their own um, surveys going out as well as, you know, go to market, product management has new releases going out. So it's up to enablement to ensure that both from a, like a skill and development level, as well as cross-functional communication and delivery, that it is presented in a way that's going to meet the rep where they are. And with so much stuff going on now, it's, it's more crucial than ever to make sure that we're breaking through the noise with those reps and only giving them the information that's really going to help them excel and be able to sell and deliver appropriately. So um, I think Enablement has been really productive and has been longstanding in really large departments, but smaller companies are now really seeing the value in that and, and how making sure that like you have the information that only is needed is really going to help accelerate deals and shorten time to, to close one. Yeah, I really like your uh, your approach there around both the external and the internal enablement. I think that's often an area that we don't really think about it, right? And it's, hey, we want to train up our sales team on how to communicate more effectively and know the persona of who they're meeting with and how to deliver ROI in their sales process. But what about all the product releases? I mean, our product team is out there crushing it, improving things every single day. It's I, I, Every time I open my laptop, there's something new going on, which is so exciting. But how do we equip our team to be able to speak on it, um, both from the prospect point of view and for current clients, like the nuances of the training needed there. So great, great perspective. Definitely appreciate that. So for anyone who's listening, who has recently taken over a sales enablement team, what would you recommend for them to prioritize right now? Yes. So it's very crucial that within either taking over a legacy team or starting a team from the ground up that you're really defining what it is that your enablement mission statement is within your organization and where enablement sits within the cross-functional department. So I always say the first thing to do is start with an enablement charter. Um, So that involves, again, your mission statement. What are your pillars that you're going to be focusing on as enablement? And how exactly do you fit in and communicate with the larger organization? Um, One thing that um, can happen is that enablement can seem like an afterthought at times. And it's really important to get a seat at the table and make sure that you are one of the stakeholders as it relates to new projects um, and that are are being worked on and that you're communicating early and often. Um, I think also it's really important within those moments then to understand or for the, I should, it's really important in those moments for other stakeholders, stakeholders to understand what enablement owns versus where they're accountable with some of the ownership. Again, enablement can run a training, but that training is only as good as the reinforcement. But I think where there's areas of opportunity there as well is to make sure that there's no overlap in that responsibility. 
Um, Katie, you might be running a one-on-one where you're covering objection handling. And if we don't have proper communication, a coach can come in and run that same training and then it's overkill. We want to make sure there's a merriment between what you're focused on and what the coaches and trainers are focused on in a way that's going to be productive for the team. But also, um, you know, it also helps the rest of the stakeholders within the company to understand, you know, what are the objectives that enablement is working on and how is that going to drive results for you? I always say that enablement, um, our customer is the extended revenue team. So we want to make sure that the objectives that we're focused on are what you're focused on and that you understand where we can make an impact and help you with that. Yeah, I obviously I completely agree. I'm super curious. Do we have a sales enablement mission statement? Um, we do have a sales enablement mission statement. Um, for us, it is making sure that we are meeting employees where they are um, and that we are meeting them with a sense of empathy and creating fun learning environments that are going to promote employee job satisfaction, but also uh, result in high-performing teams. So all that to say, we really want to make sure that we're, our whole drive is to help move business objectives, help the teams meet their goals, but have a creative, fun learning environment that's going to promote a culture of community and camaraderie um, and like really make sure that people are retaining the information from a combination of all of the above. Yeah, I, I think I feel like that's the first time I've heard that. Please stop me if you've said that to me a million times and I just did not pick it up. But I love that mission statement. And I feel like that holds true with so many of the initiatives that we've done internally, even going so far as we have a dedicated sales trainer now. And I remember I joined the very first session he was running and part of us were remote and part of us were in office. I was remote that day. And the amount of Slack messages I received within five minutes of that training starting that said, this is going to be a banger. Wow, this is so great. Like, this is awesome. This is off to a great start. And you could tell the AEs were really bought in on the fact that this was going to be a fun session. And we were booked in for like almost two hours, I think. So I was kind of like, well, this is going to be a doozy. It's going to be a little long. Um, And it was awesome, like totally engaged the whole time through. And the AEs had such a positive reaction to it. So I love knowing that like incorporating some fun is part of our mission statement, which is great. Um, So any other best practices? practices that you would share or maybe some core lessons that you've learned like in your role? Yeah, um, I would say that some lessons that I have learned is that you need to establish what I call gravitas (laughs) early within an organization. Um, and be able to have everybody understand that you are a thought leader. Um, with that being said, though, you have to earn that trust with your team. You can't expect to have a seat at the table just because. <laughs> and that's why it was really appreciative, Katie, earlier when you had mentioned that, you know, we had an hour and a half conversation and then got a six week onboarding out of it. That was up to enablement to showcase to you that, hey, we're listening to you and we're going to meet you and where your team are and make sure that we're putting a program together that's going to meet the expectation and criteria that you're looking for to make your team successful. So I would say that it's really, really important to have that open line of communication with leadership, but also make sure that you have a seat at the table early and often. Otherwise, 
this is I this is a core memory that's burned into the back of my brain of when I was early on in my enablement career. Um, someone from the sales operations team was on a one-on-one with me and they're like, it really seems like sales enablement is just the junk drawer of the company. So whatever like is a project that doesn't fit within any other department, they just throw it on the sales enablement to do. And it really like pierced my heart. (laughs) And so I have been on a mission ever since then to make sure that people really understand what enablement does um, and the importance of our program so that we can be really uh, early on in, in project work to make sure that along the way, we're thinking of the customer as well as the rep um, as we're making decisions so that by the time we do get to that downstream flow of them being trained, whether it is skill sets with medic, for example, and how are we implementing in the operations department Um that's then going to flow to the sales reps or with the new product feature. Okay. Can we think about it the lens of how it needs to be sold as well as how that customer experience is going to be the more that companies do that. And the more that enablement is able to, to have that sense of gravitas and be a part of that leadership team, the better the experience for the rep and the customer and the better the outcomes are. So don't be afraid to, to ask to be a part of that meeting that you see on the calendar from enablement, you know, don't, be afraid to set boundaries of what it is that enablement does and does not do. But you also have to be able to, as I say, put your money where your mouth is that, you know, if you're expecting um, the other sales leaders and other department leaders to, to listen and let you have a seat at the table, make sure that you're able to bring something um, of value to the team as well and showcase how you're going to help make an impact on revenue and team performance. Absolutely great, Chair. Definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so to close us out, what is something you'd recommend sales leader maybe start, stop, or continue doing in 2024? Yeah, one thing that I would say is as a company, if you're not thinking about this now, it is super important that you start to implement value selling within your organization. A lot of companies in the past have focused on feature selling. I think that, you know, Three out of the four companies that I had started running enablement for when I was coming in was a feature selling. And the, the risk that you run with that is that we are in a market that is ever-changing and really impacted. Um, and if you don't have a direct competitor now, um, and you will probably within the upcoming year or so. So how do you set your team up for success now by implementing value selling so that no matter what uh, situation that they're in, you're able to win that deal. But also, again, from a sense of humanization within the sales process, the more that you can tie in what you're selling and the value to the problems and challenges that company has and how to solve it, um, that's just going to be a better experience both for the seller as well as the customer. And not just from the new business side of the house, but then now when they become a customer and are interacting with the customer success side of the house as well. So um, one thing to really keep in mind that if you're not value selling right now, it's something that really should be implemented uh, within this next year, because we never know what's going to happen with the economy or who's going to come up within the space. If we're thinking about what to stop doing, um, I would say as sales leaders, we need to stop accepting the status quo. So many times I've heard, well, you know, it's the economy. Nobody's buying right now. or you know what, our connect rates are low, but that's just the data that we have. Quote, unquote, they should look into data data. Um, but it, the reality, 
the reality is, is that challenger sale came as a form of going through a volatile situation. So all that to say that there is typically going to be a solution um, to the problem and control what you can um, because there is the ability to still sell in this kind of markets. It's about finding the right solution and tools that you can use to help you get there. And from a continued standpoint, I would say always, always continue to coach and train your teams. It's one of the biggest things that you have within your control. Um, and if you can continue to show what best in class looks like for them, it's going to become muscle memory. And then they'll turn around and start training somebody else on their team. Well, definitely appreciate it. Thank you very much, Emily. This has been a great episode. So thank you again.